Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. You know, the single greatest tool uh, that you can employ in any relationship is listening. And so tonight's message is going to be just entitled, Let Them Hear. And... Uh, We've, as a society, we've lost the art of listening. We, uh, we've traded listening for commenting and opinions and straw man arguments. We, we don't listen really to what people say anymore. We just, people, because so many people are just saying so much stuff out there. Number one, what do you, how do you sift between what's actual and really good content. And then there's also just the fact that we just don't want to listen. You know, like, I got something to say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it when you're done saying it, or I'm going to interrupt you, and I'm going to say it back in your face. And it's like, oh, okay, this, this is the way a lot of conversations go. Like, just full disclosure, my wife and I, I watch the Gilmore Girls with my wife. And uh, it, maybe I invented Cozy Chic. <laughs> But that show was awful for conversation. No wonder why all the women loved it, because it was just like, you know, and I was like, this is insane. Who, who would want to talk? Like, but it was just, no one was actually listening. They were just talking and talking to, was it really to each other or just to the, I don't know what they were doing, but it was not listening. It's a major contrast between what, God wants us to do and what the world wants us to do. All throughout the Old Testament, the majority of Israel never took the time to learn how to listen to God. They were just content to let somebody else do it for them. Hey, Moses, do me a favor. Go up on the mountain and just when you come back down, let us know what God says. <laughs> you know what I mean? Moses is up there for 40 days and you know what? They're like, you know what? He's not coming back. Aaron, what should we do? Aaron's like, if we can just make a golden cow, he will tell us what to do. <laughs> like, you know, we, th we think about that, like just how stupid that is. Like, you got a golden cow in your pocket telling you what to do, oh. right? <laughs> just as dumb. Just, I want, you know, you, you do the listening for me. Why don't you tell me, prophet, what is God saying right now? Moses gets to one point, he's like, you know what? I wish everybody was a prophet because then you'd all hear the voice of God for yourself. Paul says it then later. He actually echoes what Moses said in 1 Corinthians. He's like, Moses was right. He's like, I wish everybody would hear the voice of God. I wish the spirit of God was dwelling in everybody because then we would have a really powerful kingdom where people were hearing from God and then doing what God said. That was the vision. That was the goal. But we kind of phoned it in. Just said, hey, you, you go listen. You hear from God. You, you tell me what God is saying. And regardless, I won't do it anyway. <laughs> right? Like, I didn't really like the way he said that to me. That was kind of rude. Doesn't he know who I am? You know? The other day, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to G. And uh, he was asking about some stuff. And I was telling him. He's like, hey, Amen. 
You ever ask what the Lord is thinking? I was like, yeah, that was kind of a weak impression. Sorry, G, wherever you're at, bro. It was more like Cheech. There he is. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, just like in the moment, I was just like so stubborn. I was like, what? A, <laughs> of course I, of course I did. You know, I didn't, you know what I mean? And I was, didn't want someone to tell me, you know, I can hear from God for myself, G. But the Lord is speaking through G, and I just was like, you know what, he's right. And uh, thank you, G. Appreciate you, dog. I want to read a passage, uh, Mark chapter 4 here. Jesus gives this pair about sowing and reaping and, and soils and life and all this stuff. And it's a lot about listening. And I want to just read it, and then we'll, we'll dive in deep here. Uh, in the few minutes that we have. Then he, then this is Mark chapter four, verse two. Then he taught them many things by parables and he said to them in his teaching, listen. Okay, that's the first thing about listening, right? Behold, a sower went out to sow and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. Say wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, stony ground, where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some 30, 60, and 100 fold. And then Jesus says to them, he who has ears to hear... Let him hear. Now, he wasn't talking about physical ears, okay, just so you know. He's talking about spiritual ears. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So seeing, they may see and not perceive. And hearing, they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them this. This is really important about this whole parable of the sower. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? If you don't understand the parable of the sower... You won't understand any other parable. The sower sows the word. Right? The sower, the only thing he sows is the word. Okay, we got it. Yeah, we got it. I get it, Casey. Sower sows. No, the sower sows the word. The word. Not a miracle. He sows the word, which leads to a miracle. Jesus continues, and these are the ones by the, he says, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately, takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Not just what they heard, in their hearts. These likewise are the ones on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Yay! And they have no root in themselves, and so they only endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Another translation says, immediately they get offended. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. 
But these are the ones sown on good ground. Say good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Lord, we just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that tonight we are going to understand the mysteries of all the other parables because the sower is going to sow the word into our hearts. He completes the whole parable by saying he has ears to hear, let him hear. And it's not, like I said, it's not about just really like, oh, this is what I heard with my brain. He's talking about getting something deeper into our hearts. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear, because you could hear the word of God and not have ears. Otherwise, when Jesus stuck his fingers in the deaf girl's ears and said, if half the, she didn't hear anything. She heard something, though right? She heard the word. It was sown in her heart. And when the word was sown in her heart and she believed, it responded with an immediate harvest because the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. First time that God ever announces himself as the sower is in the gospels. All throughout the Old Testament, he talks about sowing. He talks about reaping. But he never says, I am the sower. He never says, I'm the one who sows the word. And Jesus gets up and goes, the sower, with a capital S, sows the word. He says, if you don't understand this, you will not understand anything else I tell you. Because what happens is if you don't understand that God is the sower and he sows his word, then anytime he starts speaking in parables, it would have just gone right over your head. And he made that comment. He says, for you, the people in this room, this little group right here, it is given to you to know the mysteries of God. But for those out there, only the ones who will receive by faith, those are the ones who will come in, but everybody else, they won't hear and they won't understand. His word is the seed for everything we need. That's why we say, get in the word every day, right? Read the word every day. Get deep into it because the sower sows his word. What are you, what, what, what a word are you getting on a daily basis? What, what's being sown into your life? The, the word, the seed is the only thing that can truly affect change on this earth. You can put as many quotes from the Stoics as you want on your Instagram feed. You may get a like, you may get a comment, right? But nobody will be changed, right? And if they are changed, they're changed and they start getting weird. <laughs> right? They just start doing strange things and saying strange, and then like the Instagram just goes off the rails because they're listening to something that is not the word. Something was sown in their heart, and it's usually separation from God is what gets sown in there, and they get further and further and further. Stoicism, I mean, this is just a side rant just for the minute here. How, how far away from God can you get to, have, to show no emotion, to show no feeling, to be so out of, to, to totally displace a part of who you are completely so that you could achieve some sort of, uh, you know, moral, you know, height. That is the opposite of what God is. God is a passionate God. His emotions came through in accordance with the spirit, which is different than just being like, well, this is who I am. 
Uh, no, that's your old man. That's your sin nature. That's where those emotions are coming from. The soul, <coughs> excuse me, the, is the mind, will, and the emotions. And the soul is always subject to your spirit. So when Jesus, and this is my favorite example, and I probably use it every time I preach. My kids will tell me that. When Jesus made a whip, it started whipping people and was angry about it. He was 100% in line with God. Think about that. God was like, I approve of this, you know. <laughs> Get him, son. When Jesus wept, it wasn't just a fun, cute statement in the shortest verse of the Bible so we could use it for Bible school and, and, and kids' ministry. No, it was because he was showing proper emotion and sorrow and sadness. When Jesus winced in pain as they whipped and ripped open his back before the cross, it was to show us that he was tempted in all points, yet without sin. We have a high priest who can identify completely with every one of our emotions, every one of our frailties, every one of our mistakes, and yet he did it without sin sin the sower sows the word there's two things though you got to understand the seed and the soil and I'm going to break this down the seed what seed are you allowing to be sown into your life <laughs> the only thing on earth that never returns void is the word of God. That is the only thing. Not dreams or visions. I love them. They're in the Bible. God says the old men dream dreams and young men see visions. That's how you know you're getting old as a man. Start dreaming dreams. No longer see visions. That's an old pastor's joke, folks. I had a dream the other night. <laughs> How much of the word are you getting into you? James says the implanted word of God, the embedded word of God is able to save your soul. What is the seed that you are allowing into your life? What is that coming in there and what is taking root? Hebrews says that you can have a bitter root springing up with inside of you. What got in there? Another parable that Jesus says, he says, the sower went out one time and he planted his field. And in the middle of a night, another sower came out and threw tares among the wheat. So now there's two sowers. One sower sows the Word. Oh, I got to, we'll do it again. That one sower sows the Word. Okay, you're getting it. The other sower is sowing discord and the opposite of the word. It's the anti-word. He's the anti-Christ. He's in there and he's sowing things into our heart to drive us away from God. Jesus says that the people come out and they go, Master, somebody threw some tares in with the wheat. What are we going to do? Jesus says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to wait till everything grows up. We're going to wait till everything matures. Then we're going to cut it all down, and then we're going to separate the wheat from the tares. Paul says like this, take every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. Separate the wheat from the tares. 
It got in there. Oh, man, see, the terrors got in there. Don't just start ripping stuff out because you rip out God's word too. Wait till it grows up and then be like, okay, now I can begin to see what do I need to separate? What's coming in there? This is the whole thing that's going on with the school system right now. Somebody, we know who it is. People are sowing tears into our children and their kids are growing up. And rather than knowing the truth, because we're not doing our job as parents to get enough of the word, we're afraid to confront them about, are they reading the Bible? Are they living pure? Are they not looking at porn? Are they doing the right thing? Are they, are they following Jesus? Because we we don't want to bridge that gap because it's awkward. We're just letting the tares grow up in their life and it's tearing them away from the kingdom of God. I'm not here to talk about parenting, although I would like to. Maybe I'll come back. One time a pastor, he recited, he quoted Ephesians 1, uh, 15 through 23 verses is talking about, you know, God being able that he's the highest and the spirit of wisdom and spirit of might. He said he started quoting it every single day. And at first he was like, oh, this is cool. This is a really good verse. There's power in it. He said by the hundredth time, he started to weep when he quoted it. He said by the 300th time of quoting it every single day, by the 300th time, he actually began to understand what the verse actually meant. And he used that verse and he would preach on it like nobody's business because it was the implanted, the embedded word of God, the embedded seed that got down into his heart and began to change his life. So I, I want to push you a little further. Don't just read your daily reading plan. Why don't you get something to meditate on day and night? <laughs> Muttering, speaking the word over and over and over again. Anybody can rip the surface off the Bible. Anybody can pull any generic wisdom or insight right off the top of the scripture. Sometimes it's super easy. You read the message, Eugene Peterson, he already did it. That's why it's abbreviated MSG. You only need a little bit. I have a theory. The, the farther you get away from the King James Version, the less revelation you're going to get on the word because people have already sucked it out. When you read the King James Version, you don't know what the heck it's saying. Pardon my French. What does this even mean? Thou that? And you have to go and study, and then even more, you have to ask God, what is this saying? Don't just, is this, is this about to be too rough? No, okay, okay. Don't just give me a motivational quote. Don't just give me an opinion. Give me a word. Give me a word from heaven. Don't just give me your dream and your vision and your idea and your thought and your fleeting glance and your vain imagination. No, give me a word. Give me a scripture. Tell me what did God say about this situation. I don't want another opinion. I don't want another comment. I don't want another Wikipedia entry. I want to know what has God got for me? What's going to take root in my life? What's going to change me for eternity? Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. Give me a word that I can stand on when I'm in heaven. 
trying to fight it, trying to fight these battles with, with natural weapons and natural ideas. And God's like, give them a word. See what they say to that. Next thing, the soil. I'm gonna take a little sip here. Mm. What soil are you? It's interesting because when Jesus is talking about this, he's saying that whoever, whoever hears the word, so he's saying people are hearing my word. This is not unbelievers. He's saying people are hearing this word. And so these four different types of soils are actually four different hearts of believers. The first one is the wayside, meaning that these are hearers in places where they can hear the sower, they can hear them sowing the word. But in the instance Satan comes and immediately snatches the word before it gets to their heart. Never gets past their brain. Wow, that was so good. Pastor, that was great. Wow, yeah, come on, amen. Walk right out. Didn't get anywhere past their brain. You know, the, the second longest distance on earth is from your brain to your heart. The first is the sink to the dishwasher. You can ask my teenagers. <clears throat> Thank you. But it's interesting because the word wayside has two meanings. Literally, it means a traveler, somebody who never gets planted. Now, ideally, I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but there are some people in here who are still traveling at Awaken Church, standing by the wayside watching, observing, never letting the word get down deep into their heart, never moving past, just attending and showing up and being, hey, slapping a high five. When are you gonna move past that? Metaphorically, that word, it refers to way somebody feels, thinks, and decides. It is essentially a soulish person. The soul, again, made up of the mind and the will and the emotions. It's a religious spirit that is the traveler because they're like, oh, I'm just walking through. I love this church. Dr. Matt, I love him. He said something to offend me. I hate him. I hate his car. I'm out of here. True stories. Don't be a traveler in church. Second soil, the rocky, they hear the word. Oh, they hear it. They receive it with gladness. Ooh, preach. Come on. The unenthusiastic yet revelatory. Wow. <laughs> that was powerful. They receive it with gladness. They endure for a season, but afterward, when affliction arises because of the very same word that they were wowed by, they get offended. They get offended. We should be okay talking about being offended in church. You, you will get offended because we're human. And what happens is I have a thought plan and a, and a roadmap for life. And God has a thought plan and a roadmap for life. And his ways are higher than my ways. And his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so when those two come into, whatever this word is, collision. <clears throat> when they come into collision, ideally I go, you're right, you're right, Lord. 
It means, literally means this, to be offended in one, to see in another what I disapprove of and what hinders me from acknowledging their authority. I'll let that hang out there for a second. We're offended by authority asking me to live out the word. I, don't, I mean, I can tell you countless times I've been offended by pastors but you know what I did? I humbled myself. You say, well, you're amazing. That's true, but <laughs> I humbled myself because I knew that I'm gonna be blessed because my faith is in God. And if I truly believe that God is in control of everything, then I understand that there's a order to the kingdom and I'm willing to submit myself to that order, knowing that God is in control. Jesus cursed the fruitless fig tree because it had no roots, no fruit. It looked full and vibrant for a season, but because of offense, there was no real fruit to it. Don't be that fig tree. The third one, among thorns. The anxieties of this age and the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for the forbidden, they choke out the word. It's interesting because the, the word for thorns here is like a bramble, like a blackberry bush. But if, and I only learned this today, so <laughs> full disclosure. But if you, I didn't know this, but blackberries are in the rose family. So you have something beautiful and flowering, and at the same time, it's incredibly prickly. And this is what happens when the cares of this world, the anxieties of this world, they become so beautiful and overwhelming to us, we don't realize that they're poking us and prodding us and choking the life out of us because we're so enamored by the, the flowering of it. It was sown among thorns and it began to just suffocate the life out of a believer. They heard it. It was starting to take root, but then what happened was the bramble got over it and everything died below it. Cut off and covered that connection with the sun so it could no longer grow. What looks beautiful and perhaps fruitful, begins to be choked by anxiety and deception and lust. It's the oldest playbook in the world. Literally, the devil did that from the beginning, right? Like, oh man, did God really say that? Just enough anxiety to be like, oh, I don't, did he say that? And then he just put in a little bit of deceit and then there was lust Next thing you know, choked out and literally kicked out of the Garden of Eden. The last soil where we want to be is the good ground. Literally, good ground is beautiful by way of its purity. That it's remained pure and clean and holy. We, we are made holy by Jesus' blood. It's nothing that we can do or, or we can earn. We're made beautiful and pure because of his love and his working, his grace with inside of us. And what happens is when that beauty comes, you start to produce. You begin to produce fruit after its kind. 
you begin to produce fruit after the seed that had been sown in your life. The word, the sower sows the word into our life and the fruit that we begin to produce is his word back to him because it never returns void. The word, he says, he says you hear it. These, these believers, they hear the word, they receive the word and they begin to bear fruit. The word receive literally means to accept as your own literally like an inheritance from a father to a son. So they heard the word from the father. This is the word and they received the word as an inheritance. The Bible, the word of God is our inheritance. In his word is everything you need. You don't have a financial problem. You got a word problem. You don't got a a sickness. You got a word problem. You need a word. You need to get a word. You need to get a word. The word in this over and over again, Jesus says when the sower sows the logos word, the written word of God, but the logos word then turns into the rhema word. Word of God, which is an in-time, in-moment, in-season Word of God. That is the inheritance that you're looking for. Get a word. Get a word, ask it. Ask him for the word. God, I need a word for this. I'll end with this, with this story. Luke 24, 49, Luke 24, 50, Luke 24, 51. My wife and I were at a part of a church and uh, we were asking God, God, what do you want us to do next? And I was just reading my daily reading plan. This is like Boaz. You just happen into the will of God when you're doing the will of God. And I read this verse and I was like, God, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to go? Do you want us to stay? What is going on? What's the next season of life? And the Lord says this in Luke 24, 49, you shall tarry in the city until you're endued with power from on high. The name of the church that we were a part of was called the City Church. And so we said, okay, Lord, I hear what you're saying. I'm gonna tarry, I'm gonna wait here. I'm gonna serve here. I'm gonna give here. I'm gonna get over my offenses. I'm gonna get over myself. And we're gonna tarry until we're endued with power from on high. It gets better. The next season of life, shifting, changing. We were asking God, what do you want us to do? And the Lord brought an opportunity for us to move to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to be a part of a church that's been around for 50 years and tens of thousands of people and multiple campuses and worldwide ministry. The pastor was on Dr. Cho's board. I mean, just the act, it was the the real deal. And we were saying, God, what do you want us to do? And God says, go back to the word. I was reading Luke 24, 49. I was like, he's like, that's not the word. Go to the next verse. It says, then Jesus led them to Bethany and he blessed them. The name of the church in Baton Rouge was named Bethany. I'm a pretty dense guy, but even I got that one. And then we were praying about planting our church in in Los Angeles. And the name that God had given us was a unique name. And and, and I said, God, what do you, you know, what's, what's the next one? He's like, look at the next verse. It says, then they returned home 
to Jerusalem. That wasn't the name of the church. <laughs> Some of you were like, what? Oh. And there they were in the temple praising God day and night. Jerusalem is, is the, known as the city of God. All throughout the, the, the Bible, you go from the garden and you end up in the city of God. And the name of the church that God had given us was called City of God. So it was, then they returned home to the city of God and they were in the temple daily and night praising God and worshiping. The place where we had our church building was on Temple Street in Los Angeles. We said, wow, right? Because God is so good. He can point out anything on earth at any time and say, I already wrote about it. I already thought about it. I already got you. This is where you need to be. Catch up. Come on. This is your inheritance. It's right here in the word. We just got to go a little bit deeper into the word. We got to go deeper. Go deeper tonight. Can you just stand with me? I don't know where you're at, but I do know this. I have just two people I want to pray for at the altar. The first one is, is the seed. You heard the word. You heard about the sower. You need Jesus. This is the night. This is the moment. This is the word for you. The sower sows the word into your heart. If you're here and you say, I, I need Jesus, can you just lift up your hand? It's the first time. It's the tenth time. Whatever. Just, just wave at me. Thank you. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.